In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In the hymn Ave Maristella, we read or we sing, Hail, O Ocean Star, God's own Mother Blessed, ever sinless Virgin, Gate of Heavenly Rest. And so we're accustomed to referring to Our Lady as the Gate of Heaven. We address her by that title in the liturgy, meaning that she always has access to our Lord. In the book of Ezekiel, we're told she's also the eastern gate of the temple the prophet speaks about. Because through her, the son of justice, Jesus Christ, comes to us. In an apostolic letter, Benedict XIV said, in a primary sense, though, <clears throat> she is the gate of heaven, that we are confident of one day entering, where we will one day enjoy eternal happiness. And so it's important for us to realize more and more that we will always find Jesus by having recourse to Mary. We can never have too much of Our Lady, one of the fathers of the church says, because she always leads us to Jesus. And so one writer says, men and women today often seek in vain to please God in a thousand and one indirect ways, including force of arms and speculative thinking. Many forget that Mary is the direct route for all of us to reach God. She will lead us to the innermost sanctuary of heaven and ultimately to everlasting life with God. There was a third order Franciscan who was a close follower of St. Francis during the lifetime of the saint. And after the founder died, this pious disciple would regularly come and place flowers on his tomb. And there he would meditate on the eternal truths. One day, this friar fell asleep in that place and he had a vision of the day of judgment. He saw an open window in heaven and then Jesus, the most lovable judge, appeared in the company of St. Francis. The two let down a red ladder with steps so widely spread apart that it was impossible to climb up. Many people made an attempt to ascend, but few were capable of making any progress. And after a while, a great clamor arose from below. And then another window opened where St. Francis had appeared before. And this time Our Lady was in their company at the side of Jesus. And they let down another ladder. It was white this time and the steps were considerably closer together. And so people began to make their way up the ladder with great jubilation, one after another. 
Whenever any one of them began to falter in their upward progress, Our Lady would call him by his name and offer her encouragement. One writer said she would send an angel <clears throat> from among the cohorts surrounding her to go and lend a hand to the one who was in difficulties. In the event, all of them made an effort or made an effort managed to get up the ladder one after the other. St. Pius X says that this pious legend reflects an essential tenet of our faith. That sanctity and salvation are easier of attainment with the help of Our Lady. Without her, everything is harder and sometimes even impossible. Since God has wanted her to be the dispenser of the treasures that Jesus won for us by his passion and his death on the cross. The Second Vatican Council says that Our Lady is the gate of heaven, Yanuma Cheli, and a powerful aid for us in reaching union with God. Taken up to heaven, she does not lay aside the task she had on earth of cooperation in our salvation, but by her constant intercession, continues to bring us the gifts that lead to eternal life. With her eternal charity, she cares for the brethren of her son who still pursue their journey here below, beset with dangers and difficulties, until they're led to the happiness of their true home. For this reason, Our Lady is invoked by the church wider as, as the titles under the titles of advocate, auxiliatrics, helper, and mediatrix. St. Bernard tirelessly taught, by the will of God, Our Lady is our mediatrix, <clears throat> since all graces come through our hands. He says, theologians affirm that we receive all graces through Our Lady, subordinate as she is to Christ, our one true mediator. And so Our Lady is constantly available to help in our salvation and will grant us whatever we ask that is in our best interests. But we know our mother wants us to progress spiritually, our supernatural life. As we come to the latter part of this novena, we could make a point of asking her for spiritual things, greater graces for this or that. How to put virtues into practice, temperance, justice, fortitude, prudence. <clears throat> purity and chastity, order, industriousness, all the virtues that she lived. Because hopefully she will see that it's very much in our best interest to be more holy, to be more apostolic. And so we continue to renew our prayer of petition with increasing fervor during these days for these great spiritual treasures. And on the occasion of this great solemnity, that we are preparing to celebrate, Our Lady will grant us the abundant divine blessings that we are seeking through her intercession. Try and make little children more aware of this great feast day. When I was in a primary Montessori school, 
<clears throat> we had a special procession for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And everybody had to be dressed in white. And everybody had to carry a flower. And two types of flower were, flowers were, were allowed, a chrysanthemum or a, or a lily. I don't know where people got those flowers in Ireland in the middle of winter, but everybody had a flower. <clears throat> and we filed up onto the stage where there was an image of Our Lady in many um, vases to receive all these flowers of 100 kids. And in groups of six, we had to read out a prayer, which said, O Mary, I give you the lily of my heart. Be now my guardian forever. We said those simple words, and then you gave your flower to the teacher, and the teacher placed the flower in one of the vases, and then you went back to your place. Well, I still remember those words 62 years later. Simple little words. I also remember <clears throat> that my mother preferred chrysanthemums, so we also had a, always had a chrysanthemum. But it seemed a bit incongruous to be telling Our Lady that I give you the lily of my heart, when in fact I'm holding a chrysanthemum. But all these little material details help to impress in the minds of children all these great messages of Our Lady. And so this great feast day is worth thinking about, worth planning in your family, and thinking, how can I do something special to make these great truths of Our Lady a little more known? St. Alphonsus Liguri affirms that Our Lady is the gate of heaven. Since in the way all benefits a king confers, first pass through his palace gate, no grace comes down from heaven without first passing, first passing through the hands of Mary. And even during her earthly life, we can see how Our Lady was a dispenser of divine grace. Precisely through her, the unborn Jesus blesses the precursor of his, from his mother's womb. On the occasion when Mary went in haste to visit her, her cousin Elizabeth. Jesus performs his first miracle by changing water into wine at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. At Our Lady's insistence, the disciples begin to put their faith wholly in Jesus from this very moment. And so Pope John Paul in his encyclical Mother of the Redeemer says the church in history and in the nations of the world began on that day of Pentecost in the presence of Mary. We know that the mother of the Redeemer was present from the very beginning since she was with the apostles in the upper room imploring the gifts of the Holy Spirit with her prayers. And so it's impossible for our Lord to remain indifferent to Mary's pleas on our behalf. She's very, very, very well aware of our needs. And she's the one who distributes all the graces that we continue to receive through Christ's redemptive work. Our Lady is present in all the aspects and moments of the redemption. And for that reason, she's also present in every Mass. We can imagine Our Lady present in every Mass, <clears throat> distributing all the graces of that particular moment. And the efficacy and effectiveness of her intercession 
increased in a manifold way since her assumption into heaven, when she was raised in dignity above all the angels and archangels, greater than you, none but God. And so St. Bernard says that she provides us with the graces to renew the fervour of our devotion with each passing moment and throughout our life. And so each morning offering that we make in the presence of Mary, who Jesus, through the most pure heart of Mary, takes on new, new meaning, new purpose, new devotion. Each aspiration that we say, each little thing that we offer to Our Lady, can be a whole new ball game. He says, to some she distributes more, to others less, in accordance with the will of God and our own dispositions. The more dispositions, good dispositions that we have, well, logically, the more graces Our Lady will give us. From the source of the grace that springs forth from the heart of God, she grants to us, he says, the gracious degree of participation in the divine life that we are capable of receiving. It's a beautiful reality, participation in the divine life, partakers of divine nature. So Our Lady lifts us up like little children, little children who don't know what's going on or who can't see the parade or can't participate in the great things that adults can. She lifts us up into her arms and helps us to be able to participate in these great things. And only our lack of goodwill can inhibit these graces from reaching down to the very depths of our soul and bringing about a new conversion. You could tell Our Lady in the silence and intimacy of our prayer, when <clears throat> Mary, during this novena, I want a new conversion. I want to come up onto a whole new plane. I want to bring about a new effectiveness in my personal apostles, in living out the mission that you have entrusted to me. Led by her immense charity, Our Lady is steadfast in interceding for us with God. She heightens the intensity of our petition when we remind her of our needs with unflagging persistence. And that's what we're trying to do in the whole of this novena, to ask her again and again, <clears throat> like the, the widow in the gospel, persisting in prayer, shouting out to Our Lady that we need this thing and we need that thing. And so we trustingly commend to her the difficult situations that possibly may be weighing us down. Contradictions, crosses, moods, sickness. <clears throat> and we see that all these things have been permitted by God and by Our Lady. There's a great divine purpose behind these things and a great apostolic purpose. It may be that in a few weeks or months down the road, Our Lady will bring some soul in contact with us who's going through exactly what we have gone through. And because we've been there, we know what to say to that person. We give them the benefit of our experience. And our lady carries those words and those graces to a, a deep level of effectiveness in the mind and heart of that other person. So she sees all these things, the difficult situations. And we can be fully confident that no matter what the outcome, our Lady knows what's best for us. 
mother of mine, you already see that I need this and that. That this friend or this brother, this son of mine, has strayed away from the house of the father. All these little petitions find a place in our heart. And so our lady fulfills to the letter the words of our Lord in the gospel. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. It may be that we don't see the fruit of our prayer. Nothing might happen. But maybe in a few weeks or months, we'll hear something or we'll see something or some change in somebody that possibly somebody else has brought about. But maybe it was ultimately our prayer that made those things happen. So through her motherly protection, she'll gain for us the strength of God as often as we may ask her help. She cannot refrain from coming to the aid of any of her children because of her great compassion for sinners and her role as the gate of heaven. And so, gate of heaven, pray for them and pray for me. The term gate of heaven is appropriate for Our Lady because of her intimate union with her son. And it signifies her special participation in the fullness of power and mercy that come from Christ our Lord. The spiritual writer says, more accurately though, Jesus himself is our way to glory. Since through his passion and death, he opened up the gates of heaven that were previously closed to humankind. We rightly call Mary the gate of heaven because through her all-powerful intercession, she procures for us the means we need to reach heaven, where God our Father himself awaits us. And so since Jesus came to us through the gate of heaven, which is Mary, we can go quickly to greet her so that we might all the more swiftly find Jesus. Mary is always the way that leads to Christ. And St. Paul VI says, each encounter with her <clears throat> is necessarily a meeting with the Lord himself. What else can constant recourse to Mary mean but a continual search for Christ our Saviour through her, with her, and in her? We need never worry about people who might accuse us of making God out of Our Lady because we know that's not the case. We know that the veneration we give to Our Lady is on a different plane. But we can never have too much of Our Lady because she always leads us to Jesus. John Paul II liked to point out how the Hail Mary is a very Christocentric prayer. Because at the very centre of the Hail Mary, we say, blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. And so Mary always leads us to him. As the three kings found our Lord in Bethlehem, we also find Jesus is always with Mary, his mother. St. Pius XII said rather, <clears throat> on account of the close relationship between mother and son, the church has taught us that devotion to the Blessed Virgin is a sign of predestination. And so Mary looks after her children in order to 
help their journey along the path that leads to the house of God our Father. If at any point we ever stray from the true path, well, she will stretch out her hand to us, as all good mothers do with their children, so that we may begin the right way again immediately. Whenever we fall, she will be at our side to help us to get up and set off again in the proper direction, so that we will be presentable for her son. Mary's mediation is central to that of all the other saints. Not one of them could obtain the least benefit for us without her. And through her universal mediation, her universal mediation is always subordinate to that of Jesus. And the potency of her intercession is greater than all the influence of all the other saints combined. Through her deep identification, with the passion and death of Christ, our Lady merited to receive the graces she wins for us. And so truly only through her help can we ever attain the eternal dwelling place of our Heavenly Father. And we cannot even begin to imagine the great outpouring of grace which we receive for our souls, for those we are preparing for and for the whole Church those we are praying for and for the whole church, through the small acts of love of God we offer through Our Lady on each day of this novena. And so St. Maria says, mothers don't keep a record of their children's tokens of affection, nor do they weigh them up or measure them with meticulous calculation. A tiny gesture of affection is as sweet as honey to them, and they give themselves generously in return bestowing much more than they receive. If good mothers on earth react in this way, just imagine what we can expect from our Holy Mother Mary. And so may we always stay within the bounds of her loving vigilance, and may we not let a single day pass. The name of Mary should be often on our lips. It must have been a name that our Lord used frequently. With regard to Our Lady, the first Christians gave her name many different meanings. Most lovable, star of the sea, queen, princess, light, beautiful, and so on. It was St. Jerome, Jerome who gave her the title Stella Maris, Star of the Sea. Since it is she who guides us to a safe haven in the midst of all the storms of life. Ultimately, it's the name of Mary, the gate of heaven, who will lead us to that gate. And so it's logical that frequently we would have her saving name on our lips. Especially when we're in need or in any difficulty. And on our way towards God, well, it's to our merit that we will have to endure certain storms that God may permit. 
so as to purify our intentions and to help us grow in virtue. It's possible that by paying too much attention to the obstacles in our way, we might lead or yield to discouragement or weariness in our struggle. Then it's time to turn to Our Lady, invoking her name to help us. St. Bernard has written, if the winds of temptation rise against you, if you strike against the reefs of temptation, look at the star, call on Mary. If you are tossed by the waves of pride, of ambition, or of envy, look at the star, call on Mary. If anger, greed, or impurity throw themselves violently against the ship of your soul, look at Mary. If you are troubled by the memory of your sins, confounded at the ugliness of your conscience, fearful at the thought of judgment, and you start sinking in the bottomless pit of sadness or in the abyss of despair, Think of Mary. In danger, in affliction, in doubts. Think of Mary, call on Mary. Don't let Mary be apart from your tongue, he says. Don't withdraw her from your heart. And to obtain her intercession, do not depart from the example of her virtue. You will not go wrong if you follow her and not lose heart if you pray to her. You will not be lost if you think of her. If she takes you by the hand, you will not fall. If she protects you, you will never have cause to fear. You will not grow weary if she guides you. You will reach port safely if she aids you. We're often told in scripture that we have to become like little children. A lady told me recently how she had set up a crib in her house, mainly for her grandchildren. And she had a four-year-old grandson who was big into dinosaurs. He can tell you the name of all the different dinosaurs and he has many toys that are dinosaurs. And the day after she set up the crib, what does she find in the crib but a dinosaur? So there with the donkey and the ox and Joseph and Mary was this dinosaur. Well, little children do all sorts of funny things. They enter into the mystery in different ways. There's some fascination there about the stable in Bethlehem that leads them to bring their things, place the things of their life close to the Christ child. We invoke Our Lady very especially in the Hail Mary and also in all the other prayers and aspirations that Christian devotion have inspired over the centuries in which perhaps we learned when we were small. 
St. Bernardine of Siena says, and together with Jesus and Mary, there is St. Joseph. If the whole church is in debt to the Virgin Mary, since it was through her that she received Christ, in the same way she owes to St. Joseph a special gratitude and reverence. Well, these days we're also journeying with the Holy Family on our journey to Bethlehem, watching <clears throat> watching St. Joseph, his virtue, how he forgets all about himself, how he takes care of Our Lady, how he puts up all, with all sorts of sacrifices, how he is silent. And so we can invoke him very much also during these days. That aspiration that goes back a long time, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, I give you my heart and my soul. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, assist me in my last agony. Millions of Christians have learned these little aspirations on their mother's knees, which they've repeated sometimes in their dying days. And so we've reached reason to have recourse many times. Our Lady is the gate of heaven. She's also our hope. So that we can turn to her looking for hope in moments of difficulty and always. We're told in the book of Sirach that I am the mother of fair love. In me is all hope of life and vigour. The church has put these words on the lips of Our Lady for centuries. Patriarchs and the prophets live the virtue of hope in a special way in the Old Testament, as did all the devout Israelites. They lived and died with their eyes on the prize the whole world treasures and on the goods which its arrival in the world would bring with it. They look forward to them, are told in the letter to the Hebrews, and welcomed them at a distance considering themselves to be no better than strangers and exiles on earth. And so over many generations, that hope sustained the people of Israel in the midst of countless trials and tribulations. And so with greater strength than all the patriarchs and prophets and all mankind together, Our Lady added to that clamor of hope, of longing, by the prompt arrival of the Messiah. And so one writer says that hope was greater in Mary because she was confirmed in grace and therefore preserved from all presumption and from any lack of confidence in God. Even before the Annunciation, Mary had penetrated into sacred scripture more than any human intellect had ever done. And that clarity in the knowledge of what the prophets had announced went on increasing until it reached a point of total confidence that what had been announced would come about. That hope was growing as the certainty of the sailor grows. He has taken the necessary precautions to ensure that he reaches his goal. And his certainty increases as he draws closer. And so Mary lived the virtue of hope when in her youth she ardently desired the arrival of the Messiah. 
Later, she hoped that the secret of her virgin conception of our Lord would be revealed to Joseph, her spouse. She exercises the virtue of hope and that journey to Bethlehem. And so we can scarcely imagine the spirit of recollection that was in the heart and soul of Our Lady on that journey. In spite of the contradictions and difficulties where they had no place for the Messiah to be born. And later she had the hope during that hasty flight into Egypt. Later on, when all seemed lost and Calvary, she awaited and hoped that the glorious resurrection of her son, while the whole world was plunged in darkness. Over the centuries, our Lord has multiplied the signs of his merciful assistance. And he's left us Our Lady, the gate of heaven, as a powerful beacon, so that we will always know which way to turn when we get lost. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.